Welcome to episode 27 of the Freedom Pact podcast and tonight we are joined by very special guest Sarah Bliss. Sarah is a New York Times best-selling author, a consultant, a speaker and a brand advisor. She's written 11 books including Take the Leap, Change Your Career, Change Your Life, which Joe and Sarah talk about in depth in this conversation. She's also the former senior writer and editor at Yahoo. Her articles have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Esquire, Oprah. She's been a contributor at Forbes.com and many, many more. It's safe to say that Sarah Bliss is a very, very accomplished woman. And this is a fantastic conversation that Joe sat down and had with Sarah. Now, before we dive straight into this podcast that you are going to get so much value out of, we'd like you all to take a minute, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us get the biggest guests possible for you guys, and we can keep bringing you amazing content. Thank you for that, and please enjoy this conversation with New York Times bestseller, Sarah Bliss. Hi, Sarah. So just uh, delving into today's uh, podcast, you have written a fantastic book. It's called Taking the Leap. It's out now. It'll be, le- it will be linked in the bottom of the page. It's on our book list. It's been promoted via Instagram. So what does Taking the Leap mean to you? So when you take the leap, it means you get out of your comfort zone and you do something radically different. Um, maybe it's something you've always wanted to do. Maybe you are looking for something new um, because your career is shifting around you. Um, but it's taking that leap of faith and going in a totally new direction. And this is definitely a message which, which you know, we echo on the show as, as we've done a number of messages about this, about our personal journeys into the unknown, if you will. So what would you say was that made you want to write this book and to share this message of taking the leap? So I have been a writer for um, almost 20 years now, and I've interviewed everyone, um, so many fascinating people. Profiles have been something I, I've consistently done all this time. And I realized early on that a lot of very successful people had all of these different kind of lives and careers before they found their groove. So they had failures and detours and um, and lived, you know, totally different lives. And I think that there's something very, very inspiring in that. And I think it's an idea and concept um, that for a lot of us, you know, with our parents, uh, you know, maybe they had one career their whole lives. And so we grew up with that as the model. Um, but today with the internet um, and the ability to work from all over the world and to start a business in your living room, um, things are, are shifting and, and there are possibilities that are available to you now that just weren't to our parents. And so I think this idea of um, taking the leap and reinventing your life and career um, and seeing examples of that um, is really, really crucial for this point um, for everybody because 
um, so many people are finding themselves having to take the leap or are wanting to um, and realize that, that you have all the tools to, to do that in, in a way that previous generations just didn't. And, and I think it's also interesting what you said but the, and where you talked about your interviewing process and, and it also matches what you said in the book where you said that throughout your life you were always drawn the most to people that didn't follow a linear path. What was yeah. it about um, that sort of linear path that, that made you feel as if it just wasn't for you? You know, I I realized, I mean, I, I kind of grew up with... Um, with parents that were very open-minded and, and kind of always um, shifting and, and doing new things and very out-of-the-box things. Um, you know, my dad um, grew up in, in the States and, and grew up in Connecticut, but my um, my mom um, was from Ecuador, um, and they met in New York City. I mean, they had totally different backgrounds. And um, my dad... Uh, initially wanted to go into publishing um, but kind of realized that there wasn't a lot of money there and, and ended up going into finance but he had this this real love and passion for writing and literature and that kind of world and in his you know non-working time um, he spent so much time kind of in that world um, and then my mom um, was actually um, an interior designer um, and then she became an artist and then um, later in life, she actually became a meditation instructor. Um, and so this idea that you can reinvent yourself, that you're not just one thing, that you can be many things, um, is something that I think I grew up with. And um, and I think that's fascinating. I think that that makes someone so much you know richer and more interesting. And um, there's so much to learn in life. And, and, that, and I love that concept. And so I think when I met people that also were like that, that, you know, or maybe having two totally different jobs or, um, or went from one extreme to another, I, I find those stories really, really fascinating and, and, and fascinating because those people tend to be very interesting, but also because switching gears is not easy to do. So, um, I also like to find out how people do that, and that's something I really delve into the book. It's interesting that you were a clear advocate for uh, the power of change, and and it, it's very interesting because last night we did a podcast with uh, Chris Williamson, and he was talking about how this sort of power of change is also impactful. Say it could be in terms of like leaving a a bad relationship, and there's this this fear sort of thing that is holding people back where they'll always go back to the familiar and afraid to leave the comfort zone. What would you say is is the key to embracing the, the power of change? Well, you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to write Take the Leap because I feel like it, uh, oftentimes people have an idea in their head, let's say they have, they have a dream of something they want to do, but it just seems so overwhelming and it just feels safer to kind of stay in what they know. Um, you know, risk is something that's very scary to people. But I think the most powerful thing and the most motivating thing for people often is hearing stories of someone they relate with who has made a big change. And I think when there's someone who you feel like is relatable, maybe they're around your same age or they're making a, they made a similar shift or um, 
they have a similar background to you, um, whether that's, you know, financially or, you know, where you are in the world. Um, I think when people hear those stories and see how people did it, then it seems like not so overwhelming and like something that they can do. Um, so that to me, um, it, it was motivation for writing the book. So the book, Take the Leap, features 63 people who made these radical um, life and career changes. And they are people of all ages and all backgrounds and all types of career shifts. Um, and they were in all sorts of different financial situations. Um, and I, I wrote the wide variety because I want anyone to pick up the book and see someone who is, you know, dealing with the same doubts or already dealt with the same doubts and fears that maybe they are um, facing at the moment. And maybe those are the reasons that, that are holding them back. And I, I hope that they'll, you know, read the stories and realize that change is absolutely possible and start to see a path for how that they can do it themselves. Um, I agree with you with what you were saying before. I think it is so much easier for people to, to stay the course. Um, you know, these changes are, are not easy to make. But every single person I spoke with, um, and I've continued to do these types of interviews, I have a column on Forbes, um, they are all so much happier, and they can't imagine now looking back had they stayed in their, in their former life. I think that's, that's so interesting. And, and when you go back to those 63 case studies which you just talked about, I was also amazed by, by the variety of, of the people. I mean, really, you're talking about things from from dance instructors to lawyers you have such a such a uh, a breadth of of different people from different walks of life different ethnicities completely changing demographics i i was you know i really took me by surprise when when i read the book and and it does go to show that whatever sort of circumstance that you're in that's that that it can completely change that that this notion of of being stuck in one route is is not the, the the case in modern society anymore. I wonder what would you say your favorite case studies were from the book. Oh, you know, I I actually it's funny. I I feel very like attached to, <laughs> to all the people that I wrote about because <laughs> I really delved into their stories um, and and wrote about them for so long, but. Um, you know, Tally Smith is one that, um, whose story I personally really relate with. Um, she, um, even though I haven't done, you know, anything similar to, to her path, but, um, but the concept behind it, I think is, is fascinating and, and motivate personally motivating for me. But Tally was in, um, finance in Bermuda, which is where she grew up. Um, and she went straight into a finance job and, um, she just happened to um, kind of always dream about going to Africa, and so she went to South Africa for vacation, and there was something, she was in the wild, and she spotted a leopard, and there was something so powerful about that moment for her, and she just thought she wanted to live in Africa and somehow, you know, have this incredible different life than what she knew um and she went back home and she was young she was in her 20s and she told her parents she was going to move to south africa and and try and work in um the hospitality uh, industry um and i think they thought she was completely not they thought she was crazy um 
but she said they had to trust her, and she went, and she worked, um, she ended up uh, working as a safari ranger, and now she is the head safari ranger. Um, she did a number of things to get training in order to do this. I mean, it, t- it took a long time, but she's the head safari ranger at Londolozi, um, which is a very um, famous and exclusive uh, uh, resort. And she is in charge of leading guests um, on wildlife expeditions. Um, and she has to, she carries around a gun and she has to be prepared for, um, you know, encountering snakes or uh, leopards or lions or, or herds of elephants. Um, and she's, you know, this tiny, tiny blonde woman. Um, and she's incredibly brave. Um, and her advice and what, what she took out of, um, what she got out of it was that you have to almost go for things that, 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 that scare you, that once you get through those moments, um, where you're out of your comfort zone, where you're taking risks, where you, um, are putting yourself in unexpected situations that, that frighten you when you get through to the other side, that you have a much richer and stronger sense of who you really are, of who you're made of, um, and that there's nothing that compares to to accomplishing that. Um, and I tend to actually be a little bit of a, a fearful person. I, I do, I live on the same block that I grew up on, and um, I don't always like putting myself out there. Um, but um, I keep thinking of her advice, you know, when I'm getting myself in situations that scare me, um, that feel overwhelming, um, about, get, you know, just getting through fear. She doesn't talk about overcoming fear, which I like, because I think, you know, if you're wired a certain way, you're wired a certain way. Um, but I, she talks a lot about getting through um, what scares you. And um, I think her advice in the book is very, very compelling. Um, and interesting, and of course, that's one of the more extreme examples. Um, um, I have lots of people who, you know, are doing all sorts of different kinds of changes, and you know, starting their own businesses, and um, start sometimes starting their own business with no capital of their own, um, and lots of different stories that you know may be kind of more on a day-to-day relatable with people. But I also have those like very inspiring, out-of-the-box stories. Um, where people can find relatable nuggets as well. When when someone is making the decision to take the leap, how important is, say, having a mentor that can guide you along? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a person. It could be, say, from books, like like you've got obviously got a very inspiring one. It's, it's you know, it's almost written with so many case studies and guides that, that you can take inspiration from it. So how important is that mentorship process? it's huge I think it's huge I think you know the advice that I always give to people um, from the book is to find um, find and connect with people who have made the change that you want to make um, and I think that that's crucial because those are the people that will really give you the best advice um, you know it's like with anything in your life whether you're going to make a move or um, you know I mean, anything, you know, you always want to, or, you know, get married or whatever. You always want to talk to people who have been there and, and they're the ones who will give you, um, kind of the real insight. They'll tell you what to avoid. Um, they'll tell you the best path to make it work. 
They'll tell you what the obstacles are. Um, I think that those kinds of talks um, can be very, very helpful. I mean, I also think, you know, at some point you you have to take their advice and, and then apply it for yourself. I mean, I think some people can get caught up in all the research and kind of forever researching and not feeling like they're ready. Um, and I do think um, you never are going to be completely ready, but you have to kind of take the steps um, to do it on your own, um, and then and then and then go for it. Um, but the mentorship part, I think, I think is very key. Have Have mentors impacted your life in a positive way? You know, I have been really, really lucky. I mean, for a long time, I felt as a writer, especially as a freelance writer, you're you're completely on your own and. Um, I didn't even know that many other um, freelance writers when I started, um, and I think the ones that I did, I found them so, you know, I thought they were so successful, and I found them a little intimidating that I'm not sure I reached out to them for advice, which, which I, in retrospect, I should have done. Um, I think people are, uh, the majority of people who are happy in their jobs are happy to give advice about it. Um, that's that's what I've found. Um but um, I was lucky in that I found um, probably about five years into being a freelancer, um, I found a fantastic editor. His name is Jason Oliver Nixon. Um, he worked at he was the editor in chief of Gotham Magazine in New York. Um, and at the time, I had started out as a design writer, and then I kind of moved into profiles. Um, and I had done a little bit of travel, but um, he realized that. Um, I had the ability to write about anything. Um, and I think as a writer, you get really pigeonholed and, um, you know, the advice is stay in one lane. Um, and he saw that the fact that I didn't stay in one lane was a real asset to him. Um, and so he hired me to be a celebrity interviewer for them. I was writing cover stories. He hired me to write travel pieces for them. Um, I did a couple design stories for them. He, um, and he really gave me that confidence um, that I didn't have to kind of listen to the common advice and, and just stay in one path and that one of my strengths was the fact that I could do a lot of different things and um, and I'm so grateful to him for those opportunities and um, you know I can't remember who exactly my first ever celebrity interview was but one of the first was Richard Gere which is a well, big one to start well, yeah. with um, but you know, he he was so confident in me and my ability to do it that it that I think rubbed off on on me and you know I I I kind of just went in there thinking you know of course I can do this, um, and I and I did and and I again I'm grateful for that that guidance and that that confidence in, in my abilities. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in the book, there's a section called uh, I believe it's called allowing yourself to fail. So what is your attitude towards failure? So, you know, I, when, I I think, you know, there is kind of this cliche that's often talked about. It's become a cliche, but, you know, because everyone feels like it's so original and it's talked a lot about um, in career um, spaces. And I know you've heard it all the time, which is, you know, be, be comfortable with failure Um, And I think, actually, that's bad advice. Um, I don't think you want to be comfortable to, you know, to fail um, because I think, 
um, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to, you, you don't want to fail. I mean, failure, failure is tough. I mean, I think it's a, it's a reality of life, but I think what you really want to be comfortable with is risk and the possibility of failure. And I think that that's a different thing. So allowing yourself to fail and, and being comfortable with the possibility of it is, is a little bit different. So I think when you get comfortable with risk that, you know, the, whatever change you're going to make comes with the risk that you might fail. Um, but it also comes with the possibility of, you know, massive success, whatever that means to you, whether that's being happier every day because you enjoy your job um, or maybe you're your own boss, which is something you needed to do. I mean, think about how many people are unhappy with their jobs. Um, or maybe it comes with um, more financial freedom, uh, more financial success, um, or, you know, th the definition of success is so different for so many people. Um, but those possibilities are so great. And I think if you focus on what those possibilities are, um, and you're laser focused in accomplishing the goal that you have, um, I think your chances of success are obviously high. Um, but I do think realizing that, you know, there is a chance and, you know, lots of people um, do fail and, um, and that that might be a possibility for you, but it, it, it's probably not going to be the end of the world. Um, if, if one thing doesn't work out, um, Bobby Brown, who I think might be the person who gave that advice, um, you know, she always says, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, well, then there'll be something else. Um, and I think having that mentality rather than, oh, my gosh, if I fail at this, then, you know, everything's over um, for me. Um, but thinking that maybe it could actually draw you closer to, to, to something even better. Um, it's, it's just a different mindset. And I think it is a mindset that very successful people have. Um, the people who are very successful at um, reinventing themselves, at starting businesses, um, they aren't people who are freaked out by the idea of failure. I mean, they know it's there, um, but they don't let it rule them. And I think the people who don't make change um, the people who stay in the, in the rut that they're in, they stay in the job that they don't like. Um, those are people who are terrified of failure. Um, but the reality is it's, it's often not quite as bad as you think. Um, and I think that there are also ways to, to mitigate it. Mm. It's interesting because we had um, Beth Comstock on the show uh, towards the end of January, and she said that if failure isn't an option, then neither is success. And that's stuck with me since then. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. And I think that's true. I think that's true. And, you know, it's kind of a different um, a different way of looking at it. And that's the thing. I mean, she's. I heard that, that interview. She's, she's a fascinating person. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've interviewed so many fascinating people, you know, probably, you know, thousands through the course of my career. And... They do think differently. I mean, you know, I when you talk about like the success mindset or the millionaire mindset, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, it's it's a different way of thinking. And um, what I what I really liked about writing "Take the Leap" was that I found real people with that my who had that mindset, even if they didn't maybe necessarily always have it, they embraced it eventually. Um, I think one of the problems with a lot of the career books is um, sometimes they are written by people who 
can seem kind of unrelatable. And if you don't necessarily want to be a founder or CEO, you know, if you just want to have, you know, a, a cool, you know, life and a cool job and a, a really interesting and fulfilling career, um, you know, maybe it's hard to find voices that speak to you. Um, so I found people that, you know, did have that, you know, success mindset, that, uh, comfort with risk. Um, uh, but they are real people who, who again are, are super, super relatable. And, um, and I'm glad you noticed that huge variety of people that, that I had in the book. Um, but again, but the, but the one thing that they do have in common is they all eventually embrace risk. Mm, yeah. It's very interesting. One of the things about, um, our audience when we look at the statistics and the analytics is that there's a large majority of them that, that well in fact the, the vast majority of them are aged between 18 to 30 um what would your advice be to say someone that's driven and passionate but maybe at that young age they don't have the the capital they don't have the the resources to start can they are, are there options are there different paths which they can follow to to still take the leap you know, it depends on what they want to do. If I, you know, one of the interesting things to me is how many people in the book started businesses without capital. Um, you know, there are many different ways to get funding. Um, there are also many ways to get started uh, w- without needing it. Um, accelerator programs, that's like a whole new world that I didn't know about in the startup space um, where people... Um, apply for funding. Um, there are many, many um, uh, venture capitalists who are investing in new businesses. Um, there are startup weekends where um, they, are con- you know, people with young people with great ideas connect with investors. Um, that's one way where some people in the book started. I had a woman. Um, in my book who raised money um, with a very creative um, crowdfunding campaign, um, which she did on social media. Um, So there are, you know, lots of people who think outside the box. The other thing is um, you don't want to let the financial aspect of things hold you back because there are always different ways around it. I mean, one way that lots of people in my book started businesses was they did it as a side hustle so they you know kept their day job and um worked on their um project at night and on the weekends um and that was a way to see if it was financially viable i mean i just had someone message me on instagram who has a really um, interesting and creative um, business um where he you know rents uh, ski equipment, um, but on, you know, a, a broad scale, um, you know, it's kind of Uber, Uber for ski equipment, I guess. Um, and, um, he's been doing it on the side for five years and now he's ready to kind of scale it up because he, you know, he's, he sees the financial uh, profitability of it. Um, and now that he, he sees that he's comfortable with letting go of, of his regular paycheck. Um, but, you know, I also, you know, I, I had a woman in the book who was a housekeeper and um, she came from Mexico and she was a housekeeper and she just saved and saved and saved and kind of waited for that opportunity. She always wanted to start her own business um, and she was laser focused that, that it wasn't something she was going to do forever. Um, so no matter kind of what your financial circumstance, 
there are w- ways to um, to do this. Um, and the interesting thing is, so many people in the book, 70% of the people in the book, and this isn't right away, and this isn't in the first year, um, but they are making the same or more in jobs they love than they did at jobs that they didn't, um, which to me is, it really says something. Um, I think when you like what you do, you're more invested in it and you're more likely to do better financially. Mm. It's very interesting that is because one of the the questions which which we've had a lot at the show is is when we've encouraged people to 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 follow um, different different routes different paths a question which we often get like asked a lot is like but what about the financial side what if it doesn't work do you think that a solid uh, financial base is essential before or do you think that as you said that when you love what you do that you may just make more money by doing it You know, I think it's it's a it's a it's a tricky thing because I think people hear what you want, what they want to hear, right? So, mm. I mean, I'm not in, advising that someone puts themselves in, into debt or into a super risky financial situation in order to do this. I mean, obviously, the ideal situation is you have a certain amount of money saved up, and you know, and that you have a cushion um, in which to you know maybe see if if your new venture will work. Um, but but the reality is not everyone has that. Most people don't have that. Um, so that's why I included lots of stories of people who did not have that. Um, in fact, there was one woman, Lisa Congdon, who became an artist and illustrator at age 40. Um, she ended up going with illustration rather than fine art painting because she knew that there was um, more steady income in that because she would be commissioned with for things. Um, and she left her job, and what she did was she freelanced for her for, former employer for several months. And then she also started a store with a partner for a couple of years. Um, and those two things gave her enough regular uh you know, income, um, that, and, but also freedom and time to do her illustration, um, that she was able to, um, get out of debt. I mean, she actually had debt when she decided to do this. I think she had $60,000 worth of debt. Um, so she knew even though she had the skills, she couldn't just jump into, um, an illustration career. Um, but what she did was, um, you know, when she had the goal of getting out of debt, she figured out how to do that with the store and with the freelancing. And she then cut back on other things in her life. Um, you know, she didn't, um, she went for a smaller apartment. She, um, didn't go out to eat. Um, she cooked at home. I mean, she did all those, you know, she walked, she, you know, didn't take cabs. She did, you know, she did all those saving money things that, that, you know, we all should be doing when we have big goals. And, you know, if you, if you have a big goal in your life, I think it's easy to make those changes. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think ideally you, you have, um, you know, it's great if you have a financial cushion, but if you don't, um, I, you know, I think there are other ways to do it. Um, I don't recommend putting yourself in a risky position. I mean, there is a woman in the book who cashed out of her 401K to fund... Um, a food business. Um, it's worked out for her. I mean, her bis- biggest client is Walmart. Um, but she says in the book she would not recommend that to people. Um, she ended up 
being able to take a small business loan and and find support for small business owners, which she kind of didn't know existed when she started, um, and um, and and find other ways of, of funding, um, additional ways of funding. Um, so again, I mean, there there are people who take these financial risks and it and it works for them. Um, you know, I don't want to be you know, telling people to blow up their lives and, <laughs> and quit their jobs and, and just go move to Belize and hope it all works out. I mean, everyone in the book has takes the steps to prepare for the change they, they want to make, whether that's going back to school or, again, um, setting up uh, their, their financial um, plan. Uh, but, um, but, you know, again, that, that is part of the risk. Yeah. I think that there's something just so beautiful when you read the case studies in... in in your book and and you see these people that have taken essentially you know some take bigger risks than others as you said but really just the the chance in which that they take and that even if in some cases that it doesn't work out that they've still had the time of their lives doing it and and I think that it's so beautiful to see some of those stories and and I was reading some of them and I felt myself get a little emotional just at seeing like how much just achieving these things actually meant to these people and and i and it and it really does make me think that um that to really do or or achieve anything which you dream of that great life that that it's not going to get handed to you type thing it's there's going to have to be risk and there's going to be have to be hard work and i think that you cover that message beautifully in the book Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that you were inspired by the stories. And, 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 and I also, you know, I'm, I think one of the reasons, you know, that you, you might feel emotional reading the book and is that, you know, I really delved into how these changes affected people in very personal ways. I mean, I, I think, you know, you can look at the book, um, look at Take the Leap, quickly and think oh it's just a, a book about people who make you know cool job changes but really for these people they were you know changing their lives and 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 in really powerful ways I mean some people were you know trying to um face uh, addiction issues or or depression issues or I mean I have one guy who had agoraphobia from um that was triggered you know from his previous job um, and he found, you know, working with his hands and, and building, um, he's now a, builds motorcycles, um, that that was healing for him and, and that he needed to do that kind of work. Um, um, he literally could not, could not leave his house. He had so many panic attacks. Um, and this is a big guy. I mean, Eric uh, must be 6'5", I and mean, he's a he's big, burly man. And um, and uh, his previous life and previous career was, was triggering um, this, you know, these terrible mental illness problems. So I think um, that, that to me also was the very powerful thing in the book. And that's why I have the, um, you know, the subtitle is Change Your Career, Change Your Life, because so many people were per- are profoundly changed um, simply by making a career change. And that to me is, is it was really, really a powerful message um, to get out there. Mm. something which which i've personally encountered in my life which i think the book covers well is is this idea of say being too young to follow to follow dreams like 
it's almost as if so, uh, as if in my own life anyway I've been pushed to say oh, you know like finish university then then work for 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 10 years save up enough money and then you know and then maybe take the risk like that but your book says no that that there's not really a uh, there's not really an age limit on this if you want it badly enough it's a choice which is open to people at en- at, at any age do you think that age plays any factor at all in taking the leap I do actually I and I realized this after I wrote it I, I think you know there are a lot of people in their 40s in the book I mean there are, you know I have people I have five people in the book who are in their 60s um, but there are a lot of people in their 40s and to me that's actually a fantastic time to do this because I think that's when you realize that time is running out you know that you don't have forever I think in a way in your 30s you just feel like you have so much time and in a way for a lot of people and myself included um and and partly because that's also an age where a lot of people have children and you know I had two children myself at that time um you can just think uh that you have that you have time that you can do it and they go for what you really want next year or you know you can make that change later on but I think when you're in your 40s you're like you know what I I don't have all the time in the world um and that is you know that's also when you see uh, start to see people um facing illness or um you know I've I've lost friends in, in this you know in their early 40s and um, you don't have have forever, um, and and really the time is now. Um, I mean, I think whether that's getting yourself prepared to take the leap, and and you know going back to school or finding the mentor or teaching yourself to code or whatever are the steps you need to do to do it. Um, I I don't think you should wait, and I think having that fire under your ass that that you don't have forever, I think that is kind of an ideal. Um, mentality, and I, I think you can have that mentality at any age. Um, but I did find that that was more profound for people in their forties. Um, so to me, that that's that's a great time, and and it's not just because of that age. I think really it's having that mentality that that you, if you want to do this, you need to do it now. Yeah, and and also I would add to that that I think that especially from my own life and and lives of other people. Well, what we we sort of had the mentality was was that we were young, we had no, we had no real commitments, no mortgages, so so why not? You know, like what what do we have to lose? Type thing. <laughs> well, and I think you're right, and I think you've hit on something, and I think that that is a big advantage um, to to not have those things. I mean, and you know, I kind of didn't when I was at that point, I didn't really, you know, realize that advantage, um, as much, or I, I thought I was going for it, but I wasn't, <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think it does get harder when you have, um, kids and, uh, you know, a spouse and a mortgage. And, you know, I, I think, I'll, you know, everyone in the book was lucky. Um, actually, I don't think it's an accident, but, you know, they had partners that, um, understood their, you know, big, crazy dream and supported it. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of people, not everyone has that. And I think that can hold them back, too, if they have a partner who's like, you know, you know, wait, you want to do what? You know, that's crazy. Like, why would you do that? Or, um, you know, maybe that's, or, you know, friends and family. But I, I did have a lot of people who had friends and family telling them 
that um, that, that that they should just stay put and, and not go for it, and they had to kind of tune those voices out. Um, but I, you know, I think um, I think you guys are probably you know already seeing it the benefit that you guys you know did make the change when you did, um, and and you didn't um, have other 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 concerns. Um, but my point in the book is you don't. While, while that's an ideal place to be, and I do think um, when you're younger, you should try as many different types of jobs and things as possible. I think that that's actually um, something in your 20s, uh, the benefit of being in your 20s. I don't think you should get stuck in just doing one thing unless you think it's the most amazing thing ever and um, you feel like that lights you up and that's what you want to do. Um but I do, I do think in your 20s you should be um, pivoting and switching and trying new things and, and taking advantage of that freedom in your life. And, I, and the good thing is um, I think a lot of millennials do do that. I think that that's a more common thing than, um, than us Gen Xers who, who were still very influenced by our parents and, and the idea of staying in one path. It's really interesting because something which I noticed that you talk in the book was um you say that this idea of say following your passion that sometimes it can be misguided and that there are many many successful people that have had many different careers and and jobs before they find out what works so what would you say your advice is for for people that are looking to find that path well i think i yeah i think the whole follow your passion thing is is a lot of pressure for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people don't have that instinct of like, you know, what is, you know, what their passion is. I think for a lot of people, they like a lot of different things and there are a lot of people that can do a lot of different things. Um, I think going with what your strengths are, um, which was the advice of Barbara Corcoran in the book, um, I think is, is a good way to go. Um, I think if you, um, go with a, a career or a path um, that kind of suits your, your innate strengths, I think you're more likely to do well. Um, I think, I really think, as I said in, in, in my earlier answer, to me, the, the way to find out what you want to do is to expose yourself to as many different um, types of career paths um, as possible. Um, I think trying new things, whether that's internships or meeting with people, shadowing people, um, all those things are, are kind of crucial to get a sense of what, um, what could be the right thing for you. I mean, there's a woman in the book who was a fitness instructor, um, and she was, you know, pushing 30 and getting injured and, you know, by nature of her injuries and her age, um, she was starting to realize that she had to pivot, that she was not going to be able to be, you know, teaching, you know, eight fitness classes a day for very much longer. Um, and she ended up going to this startup weekend and that's when she saw the path. She saw the path between from these cool business ideas to implementation to people, um, selling businesses for a lot of money um and she saw she saw this path that she just didn't know before she said like had she not put herself in that position and met those people um that she just wouldn't have known how it worked um and so once she saw the path she you know she went for it 
Um, and now she started this business called Carbon 38 and um, Foot Locker just bought a minority stake and she's doing incredibly well. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's exposing yourself. And actually, that's one of the interesting things about this whole podcast world that you guys are in. I mean, what you're doing is such a service to people. I mean, you're interviewing so many different types of people um, and giving a little bit of a window into like what they do or, um, and, and that's helpful for people. Cause again, the more you hear about different people's careers and how they did it, um, the more likely I think you are into figuring out, um, your own path, but it, it is going to take a certain amount of, of trial and error. But, but this idea again of going for your passion is, is, I don't know. I think, I think that's too much pressure and I think it, it sets up like kind of a false narrative that, you know, if you're in your dream job, it, it isn't hard and, 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 and it doesn't, you know, equal sleepless nights and, you know, the exhaustion that comes from, from doing what you love. I mean, I do what I love and, you know, I'm, I'm up most nights until one in the morning. So, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not always easier. And, and I'm sure you guys know this too. And, and you're such a great example for your listeners too, because you guys have done this. Yeah, well, thank you so much. That's 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 so kind, and and it's actually where the name um, the Freedom Pack comes from because it all came from a conversation one day after um, after Lewis and I had both graduated from university, where where we were both in graduate positions, and we just felt as if what we had worked so hard for through by by studying and doing whatnot, we were we were in a job, and we were like is this it? <laughs> like, like, I don't like this. Yeah. Is this, is this, is this what like I, I worked so hard for, but, but we thank you so much. That's, that's so kind. And another message, which we definitely, uh, endorsed from, from the book was this idea of perfection that you talk about where you say that perfection isn't your friend, it's your enemy. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, we got so caught, so many people get, that. that is what holds them back. It's like, oh, no, no, I need to work on that screenplay for another year. It's not ready. Or, oh, you know, I have this great TV show idea, but, you know, like, I'm, I need to spend more time on it. And, and you know, at some point, you're, you're ready, even, even if you think you're, you might not be. At some point, it's better to get an idea out there. Um and then kind of finesse it, uh, you know, once it's out in the world a little bit more. Um, I'm not saying you, you know, pitch your super rough, you know, not polished ideas, um, but I think expecting um, perfection is is only going to hold you back um, and getting your ideas and your vision and going for something um, is, is more important and, and will ultimately... Um, get you there um, if, if you put yourself out there rather than just you know sitting on a good idea because if you sit on a good idea someone else is going to put it out there exactly and and it comes back to what you say in the book of just get started like getting started like doing it now is better than perfect later like done now is better than perfect later and and I love that and, and I thought that was such an impactful message and something I definitely took away from the book because it, it actually inspired me at a time where we're working on a project and it seems as if we're stuck in this sort of perfection loop where 
where and and it was holding us back. And I remember reading, it and I was like, you know, it's right. Like, let's just get it done. Yeah, you know, there was um, there's a guy in the book, Aaron Walker, and he had a proposal for a business, um, and he just spent all his time like trying to, you know, finesse this proposal, and it just, you know, it 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 he he spent ages on it it actually didn't work um even though he thought it was you know perfect um and so for his next idea and he was like he felt like he was waiting for permission right so he um to start so for his next business idea he was like you know what i'm just gonna get started and then what i'll have what he ended up having to present was the case studies of like okay i did this on my own and this is you know, how far I got, like, imagine, you know, how far I can get with real funding. Um, and so he, when he was able to actually prove the business model by actually doing it, um, that made all the difference. And he's partnered with all these very, very big companies, um, who have, um, who have funded him, you know, with, with millions of dollars. Um, he has a venture philanthropy fund. He, he actually ends up funding other, um, early startups, um, it mainly in the education space, um, in, in New Orleans. But, um, but again, like he felt like he was asking for permission with these proposals. Um, and the, the better model was, was proving. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder, um, are there any routines, habits, beliefs that you've developed in the in this stage of your life where you've obviously you've, you've just launched a book it's had such a massive it's going to have such a massive impact I'm sure it already has it's definitely impacted me are there any routines habits beliefs strategies which have had a positive impact in your life um well I think just that belief that um I think that idea that you have to kind of if you have a good idea of sticking with it and kind of, you know, under understanding that outside no's or outside rejection of it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. Um, you know, I mean, I think there is a point, obviously, with certain things that maybe it's time to give up. Um, but if you're convinced that you have a good idea, um, I think sticking with it and refining it and tweaking it and making it better um often often can result in in a yes and and for a lot of these things you just kind of need that that one yes um you know this was a book idea i had for 10 years and my former agent was did not think it was a great idea um and now uh, i you know i'm thrilled because the reception to the book has been incredible i mean we were just in the new york times and um you know we're doing all these amazing podcasts like yours and I, I just I feel like the reception has been so positive and um you know for a long time I kind of listened to that voice in my head of like oh you know maybe this isn't a good idea um and when I tuned it out and just said all right I'm gonna you know listen to the criticism and use it to make my idea better and stronger and find that yes um that's when things really started opening up for me when I just um, really believed in, in, in myself more and, and less in outside voices. Because at the end of the day, I mean, like, you know, all these things are so arbitrary, right? It's, 
whether you're looking for funding for a venture or you're looking for a book deal or, you know, you're trying to get a job in a certain industry. I mean, you just need that one yes. Um, so, you know, just you just put in all your energy into finding it and understanding, like, some of the no's may come from things that have nothing to do with you. Um, and to not take that personally. Um, I learned early on as, as a writer not to take rejection personally. For the first few years, I really did, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm not a good enough writer, um, and I internalized that, and then I realized, you know what, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm a great writer um, for, for the types of, of things that I want to be writing, and, um, and you know, when I, when I tuned out those negative messages, that really, really helped me. Um, and now I just don't listen to it. I don't really care if someone if someone doesn't like my book or my writing or um, or thinks an idea is not great. I don't I don't internalize that. I mean, it's it's impossible to be everything to all people. Mm. So anyway, that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great answer. Um, I noticed when I was looking through your through your social medias that you were an avid reader. Would you say that there are any books which have positively influenced your life? Um, so many, so many. Well, um, actually, I have two books, um, two books that I feel like I, I, I return to again and again, but probably not for the reasons that you think. Um, but there are, uh, when I was, in college, I read a book called Cowboys Are My Weakness by Pam Houston, and another book called Self-Help by Lori Moore, and they're actually both fiction, um, but their voices were, they were women, they're both women, and their, their voices are so strong and powerful and relatable, and their writing felt, um, felt very um, real you know for so long I got caught up in this idea that like to be a great writer you had to write in this very like you know intellectual and wordy um, way um, and have you know super descriptive sentences Um, and I was actually never very good at that I just I found it really boring and I I got bored with books like that as a reader Um, and as a writer that just wasn't my strength and I remember um, reading um, these two fiction writers and their voice was so strong and clear and relatable and succinct um, and that really impacted um, the way that I write even though I don't write fiction um, just uh, realizing that there are lots of different ways to be a writer and lots of different ways to have a strong voice um, and, and that's a very personal one um, and lately I'm reading all the brain books, all the brain food books, because um, I have Alzheimer's um, and Parkinson's and all sorts of things in my family. And this um, gut-brain health collect- connection, I think, is a very powerful kind of cutting-edge um, way of thinking that, that what you eat can affect your brain health. Um, and I, I personally have found that to be true. Um, I've noticed it already. I, I cut out gluten. Um, and I felt like I'm a lot sharper because of it. Um, and I didn't really believe in any of that before. Um, but, but, but it works and it's, it's super powerful. So, so those are some very, you know, random examples, but that's kind of, those are, those are a few books that have definitely inspired me. Well, well, we can't thank you enough for your time. And we're going to go on to our last question now. And the last question is that 
through all the case studies, through all the lessons in which you've learned throughout your life, if you had one message, a short message which you would share with the world that could distill down all the, the knowledge and insights into just one short impactful message, what would it be? Don't don't stay in a rut. If you're you know, if you're unhappy in your job, if you're unhappy in your relationship, um, if something if your job is affecting your mental health, um, which it does for a lot of people if you're not sleeping, if you're anxious, if you're dreaming of bigger things, you must, must put your energy towards making that, that happen. That that's really that's really the, the message of the book is to is to embrace change. And, and embrace the idea that your life does not, that it will take lots of twists and turns. And that that, um, that leads to a very rich and uh, an exciting life and, and a happy one. And at the end of your life, you want to look back and feel like you, you jumped on, on those opportunities rather than, you know, wishing that you had. Yeah. Where can our listeners find you, Sarah? website sarabliss.com s-a-r-a-b-l-i-s-s um you can um find my book take the leap on amazon i'm on instagram sarabliss and twitter same handle and um and i hope that you guys enjoy the book and spread the message and write reviews and um let everyone know well, we can't thank you enough for your time, Sarah. It was such a pleasure. We link to all of your books and links where our readers can find you below. Sarah Bless, Hi. it's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. This has been such, such fun. Thank you so much, Sarah. All the best.